This week we begin a new series entitled Water and Blood. Pastor Derek Fry teaches us the history and true meaning of water baptism. Enjoy. How's everybody doing? Good? All right, if you, if you all have your worship guide and your Bibles, you can pull your Bible out and open to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. New Testament, take a right. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the next one where the three Johns are together. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. And I'll just tell you, we're doing a little mini-series. We're going to be talking about kind of two important doctrines of the faith. Um, I'm just going to read this text to start things out. How's everybody? Good? Beautiful day, huh? 1 John 5, 6 says this, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. This little mini-series is entitled Water and Blood. Normally you say blood and water, it's thicker than blood and water, but this is entitled Water and Blood. I want you... I want to start out by just saying this, um, you know, I was just thanking the Lord in prayer yesterday for our church. I love our church so much, um, and, and um, I love people that take the Word of God seriously and, then, and, and, and want to go and make disciples like we learned about last week, and how many want to make disciples? Come on, somebody. Anybody? I'm getting serious about that. You know what? I've decided when I go to heaven, I'm going to come back here on weekends. That's how much I like it here. So anyway, <laughs> I like being with you. But anyway, we're going to kind of get into this uh, little mini-series. Just... Oh, we have a message opener? Is that what's going on? No? Okay, we already did that, right? <laughs> you guys want to take over? That's fine. Just turn my light off or something. Uh, <laughs> it's essential, though, for everyone who calls themselves a uh, Christ follower to have a good understanding of of these two sacraments that we're going to talk about today according to the Word of God. And again, today is kind of one of those key doctrines. It's actually a very controversial subject. Um, most Christians or most you know, people who call themselves Christ followers would uh, say that's incredibly important. But uh, you'll see amongst the Christian, uh, amongst Christian circles that there are tremendous arguments and people get into all these fringe ideas about its interpretation, water baptism's interpretation. Uh, there's a ton of conflict about this subject, in fact. Um, and I understand that, by the way, to some extent. I mean, some people get all excited about a particular heavy revy they get on something. And then they, they, they just start telling everybody what they think, and then it starts, and then they enforce that, or they impose that subjective, potentially, interpretation, and it creates schisms and splits, and it's actually, this particular topic alone has created new denominations amongst Christian faith, and church splits for centuries, over the centuries. So... Um, I'm asking you, uh, because this is not one of those super exciting, you know, you know uh, I don't know, felt need kind of services. This is one of those meat services where it requires you to participate with me. So are you, are you willing to do that? Uh, this is one of those subjects that uh, you can't doctor up that much. You just got to want to know something. You got to want to dig into it. You dig? You, really, you ready? All right. 
So in order to get on the same page, though, depending on where you're coming from, especially if you're kind of new here today, uh, i got to give you a brief synopsis that, that dates back to Genesis. Don't worry, it'll take me about three minutes. And it culminates all the, all the way up to when Jesus rose from the dead. So when you talk about today's subject, which is water baptism, uh, you got to kind of go back to go forward. And, and basically, the Bible kind of says it like this. The Lord, the Lord created man back in Genesis. And, and believe it or not, even though that may be a big... Uh, question mark for some people, 60% of the population, according to George Barner, 2008, still believe that God created man. I'm, you know, I think 60% is a low number personally, but anyway, there's still a lot of people that believe that. Anyway, he created man, and then man sinned. We call it the fall. It happened in Genesis chapter 3. The creation um, separated himself from the creator God because of sin. And then, so then God came up with a solution, more or less, to bridge the gap between God and man, because God and sin can't coexist, because God's perfect. Um, and, and this system, it wasn't necessarily the perf- perfect system, this, this solution that he created, and, and it's not like he was necessarily taken off guard, but um, the fact is that, the, that in the Old Testament, we see the solution um, the perfect solution throughout the Old Testament surfacing in over 2,000 prophecies, many of them which uh, resolved or, or reconciled in the Messiah, who would at one point become the perfect sacrifice for all sin. The Old Testament, you see kind of a, a, a permissive plan to deal with sin, where sin, where, so we could be right with God, there'd be sacrifices made. And these sacrifices would be made to pay, make payment for sin, but it was an outward payment. It didn't deal with the inward conscious, the, the, the feelings of guilt and shame and blame that we would carry. And so Jesus came, and you can see this in the book of Hebrews, as the perfect sacrifice. It's actually referred to as the atonement. And atonement's kind of a big word, but it basically means to be at one with God if you were to break it down. Are you tracking with me still? Some of you just already lost you in a few words, a couple of words there. But anyway, um, <clears throat> the word says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish or be eternally separated from God, but have everlasting life, eternal relationship with him. And so we believe, in a nutshell, that God the Son came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary, by conception of the Holy Spirit, and dwelt among men. And he was fully God at the time, and fully man. 100% God, 100% man. He then lived a sinless life, and then he eventually, um, and, but what's amazing is he lived a sinless life in the ministry. Some of you don't think it's as funny as I do, but to be in the ministry and not sin, that's incredible. It's incredible. But anyway, um, you're probably, anyway, I don't even, I could just do a, I could do a mini-series on that point right there. Just, just hearing the stuff people tell you. Anyway, all right, just come on back. But anyway, he lived a sinless life being in the ministry, and then he eventually fulfilled his purpose by dying on the cross. He lived to die so we, so we could die and then live. And he was buried and later raised back to life by the power of God to give us, as his followers, power in this life. He overcame sin, death, and the grave so that we could overcome in this life as well. And if he didn't do that, we wouldn't be able to overcome. And he then gives us the assurance of new life. 
Because you can go, you, your old life can be left behind, as we're going to see symbolically through the subject today, in a watery grave. And you can be raised to new life. You can be a new person because Jesus, because of what he did 2,000 years ago. And the whole thing wouldn't have mattered. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, if, he didn't, if, there, if it wasn't for the resurrection. And after he rose from the dead, Jesus was real busy for a little while, and he had some important stuff to say, and he, he did a bunch of amazing things. He gathered some people together, and he showed them scars, and he did many convincing proofs, and he, and he revealed himself to hundreds of people before he went back. And, and, uh, he, when, he, and when he was done, um, he, he shared some stuff. And uh, I don't know about you, but when, when Jesus kind of gathers people together, after he came back to life... You know, you should be paying attention pretty closely. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I listen to whatever that guy has, had to say. I wouldn't care about methodology. You know what I mean? Does he have the collar on? Does he have the Jesus shoes on? I got my Jesus shoes on today because it's a baptism. Um, does he have the Jesus sandals on? Does, does, does he got the robe? You know, is, is he say, does he talk in King James? You know, hitherto, whithersoever thou goest, thou shalt. You know, does he do that? It doesn't matter. He could have tattoos all of his body, pierce, piercings, whatever. The guy came back to life. I'm paying attention. Right? I'm with him. Settles it. Right? So anyway, here's what he says. All right? And we went over this. This was kind of a key point in our series last week. Um, and and he, he, here's what I want you and people who, he, you know, he's basically saying, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want people who are not even born yet to know. And this is a mandate. It's not... Um, like a legal thing, but it is like a must. I don't know how to differentiate those. But in Matthew 28, 19, he says this, and this is what we spent our time on last week was the first sentence. It's in your notes, I think. Therefore, do you guys have your PowerPoint up yet? Is it almost there? It's, praise God, I made it. All right. That's another miracle for today. Anyway, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So we talked about what it means to go. Last week we looked at that Greek word and it means as you go, as you do life, in the course of life, make disciples. Don't go on a missions trip just to make disciples, though that is wonderful. You should do it. It's a must. No question about it. But you can make disciples. You should be making disciples as you go through life. We talked about that all last week. If you didn't get the CD, it's online right now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Then this next thing, read it with me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you as surely as I am with you always to the end of this age. This is the end of, of kind of uh, his ministry time. This is the end of his three-year cycle. And he says, I want you to go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And do everything. Obey everything I've commanded you to do. In other words, follow. We've been spending about three months talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, but to really get a good grasp on this... Um, a baptism step. Let's rewind just a little bit at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And, and he was an incredible leader. He was the best leader. He was the greatest leader because Jesus would never ask you to do something that he didn't do or wasn't willing to do himself. But in fact, he did do it. The Bible says, I say as a leader, I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do or haven't done. But honestly, I can't do all those things. But the Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points just as we are, yet without sin he never crossed the line. 
But he also fulfilled step, progressive steps of the faith. One of them, the, perhaps one of the most significant ones, he fulfilled as well. And, and he, so he just didn't face temptation, but he walked steps of growth that we should do too. So as we go back, we see a guy, as we go back into the Bible, not First John, but actually the book of John, we see a guy named John the Baptist. And he was known as a washer, not a car washer, a washer. Not a guy that works down at Fitzy's. I know all the guys down there because I'm so anal with my car. When I show up, they smile. Like, he's back again. Here he is again. Um, and, I get to, and I get to see, you know, George there. He's always there with me because he's just as bad as I am. George Lair in the back there, acting like he doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's always there, too. But he was a washer, not a washer for sins, okay? Uh, but he was baptizing them into repentance. It was a different type of baptism. He was telling everyone to get ready. It was a readiness. Repent because the one, the one is going to come. The one who's going to come, we need to be ready for when he shows up. And then what happens is one day when John is telling the people about the one who's to come, he, and he knew it was his cousin, of course, Jesus walks towards the, uh, the river and John is like, there's the dude right there. Here, that's him. He's coming. That's him. That's the one. He's here right now. I've been talking about him. That's him. And so then when Jesus gets there, they start this little debate. And you see, John was convinced that John was convinced, and he was very good about this, that he was not the main deal. He was not the big deal. He made sure of that publicly by what he said because a lot of people were giving him too much credit. And quite frankly, that's what happens when you speak the word of God. Sometimes people give you too much credit. You need to put a little parenthesis around what I just said. And remember that when you're listening to spiritual leaders or strong spiritual influences, sometimes you can give too much credit to them, and the credit needs to be going back to God, back to God, back to God. Amen? But, but anyway, um, he realized that, and, and uh, he would say things like, you know, you don't understand people. I'm not worthy even to wear this guy's sandals. I'm not, I'm not worthy to, 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 to uh, I must decrease so he, so he can increase. And, and then you see John, I mean, Jesus comes to John, and he says, uh, John, I want you to baptize me. And, and John was really concerned about that. And they kind of get into a little argument. And he's like, I want you to baptize me. No, I want you to baptize me. No, you must baptize me. No, I want you to baptize me. They're going back and forth. It's kind of like these, you know, I don't know, that cartoon, the two squirrels. They're back, back and forth. I don't know. You go. No, you go. You go. How many know Jesus wins those arguments? Okay, all right. So Jesus won that argument every time he wins that argument. So in Matthew chapter 3, here's what happens. And I don't know if it's in your notes, but you can look it up. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to read a few verses there. little Bible thumping today. I told you you're going to have to work. Let's get going. Matthew 3, easy to find. Right after that picture of Jesus when he holds the two scrolls, it's the next page. Okay? All right. Matthew 3, verse 13 says this. I've already paraphrased it. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need, you to, ba- I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. That's my rendition. But it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus knew that this was important for him to lead from the front in this. Then John consented. As, John was, as uh, soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heavens opened, and, saw, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my, this is my Son whom I love. With 
Him I am well pleased. I wish I had like James Earl Jones for that part right there. Just hit the, hit the echo on the mic system or something. Let me just tell you something. There were a lot of powerful things happening right now when Jesus got baptized. Some serious stuff. Doves coming out of the sky, lighting on top of him. Pew! You know what I mean? Like, it looked like a UFO right on top of him thing. Um, voice from heaven, audible voice of God. Hello. This is major. Okay, major stuff. And I don't know about you, but um, it's clear that God was stinking proud of Jesus. You know? It, 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 he didn't show up when he died on the cross with any of that. He shows up when he gets baptized. That's interesting. That should be something to, like, ponder for a while, you know? I love it when someone's proud of me. My wife, you know, I, I kind of act like I don't like it, but then I went in the back, I was like, hee-hee, woo. <laughs> you know, kind of like flexing my legs in the back, do a little lap pose. Yeah, I'm pretty strong. No, I didn't do any of that. I just played that up. I just played that up. <laughs> All right. But you know, you love it when somebody's proud of you. I'm sure Jesus loved it when God was proud of him, right? Right? It's cool to know when God is proud of you, isn't it? It's frustrating uh, when I let him down. It's so bad when I let him down. But it's cool to know when God's proud of me. You know when you've let God down. Those of you who have the Spirit of God in you, it, it, it's like there's a, there's a conscience. You know when you've done something that's crossed the line. How many, you don't even have to admit, we've all sinned, so how many know what I'm talking about? You know when you crossed that line. You know, you can feel it. Oh, gosh, I'm letting him down. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I say that? It's one of God's creation. Bless God. I'd like to, oh, but that's, you know, you love him still. <laughs> You know, and then after you go away, you're like, oh, wow, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that, you know. And I got that Jesus bumper sticker on the back. My gosh, <laughs> got to get that off or change my behavior. I'll take the bumper sticker off. <laughs> but, but God, you know, sets a precedent here that when we get baptized, he's into it. I mean, he put his stamp on it. That's why he wanted to make that contrast between his crucifixion and his baptism. He's clearly into that. It's important. It's not just something we, we do to do it, though obedience is the, the catalyst, the starter kit for it. But the outcome is, is his approval. Are you following me this morning? You may not know this, but at the time, uh, at this time, being washed in the river uh, wasn't a new thing. Well, it was very common at the time. In fact, if you wanted to move from a Gentile to a Jew during this time, there were five different things you had to do. You won't, may not want to have, you may not have any interest in this, but I want you to know it was, it was common, but it was a major commitment. The first thing you had to do if you wanted to be baptized before Jesus showed up is you had to be willing, excuse me, if you wanted to be converted from a Gentile to a Jew is you had to be willing to be circumcised. Let's move on. Anyway, number two. <laughs> you had to be willing to sacrifice an animal, all right? So that didn't seem so bad unless they were important to you, but that was currency to them, basically. You had to have a, a party with, with everybody. You kind of had a special name to it at the time. I can't remember. And um, you had to sign up to, to follow the commandments, all right? It was, it was serious. You don't get baptized and then not do something different. 
That's how it was then. You don't change, you don't change, get, change your, your status of faith and then not do some difference. And the fifth thing is you had to experience a ceremonial washing. And by this you were saying publicly in so many words, the old way is gone and now I'm following a new path, a new direction, a new way, a new life. So that was, that was very common back then. But, but what was different is when Jesus showed up, it kind of went to h and L. We know what HNL is. Everybody who's new here, let's help. Everybody who's old, help the other ones, okay? Everybody turn your neighbor and go, we're going to a whole nother level, okay? Jesus took baptism to a whole nother level. It wasn't new, but it went to a whole nother level. Outside of the church, for us today, what does baptism mean? I used to think, you know, for, for, for people who are trying to understand baptism, I actually used to think John was a Baptist. You know, I used to think, you know, my, my dad, you know, was a Baptist at one time, and so I thought John was the first Baptist. You know, she's a Methodist, he's a Presbyterian, and John, naturally, he's a Baptist. He was the first one, but I, I didn't get it at first. Why wouldn't I think that anyway? But that's not the case, and I'm getting sidetracked. But what does baptism mean? What does baptism mean? Fill in the blanks here on this. Baptism means to be washed. It's not a denomination, baptism. It's an experience to be washed, to be dipped, to be plunged under, to be submerged. And we'll come back to to this a little bit later because of all the legalism that can come up with this particular, uh, these definitions and the approach and all that. But what I really want to take a few minutes to do is just say, how do you you as a Christ follower, because some people struggle with this in this room, have a powerful walk with God. How do you move forward and be confident, feel the approval of God, feel the assurance that God is with you, loves you, has is, is got your back, there's wind in your sails. So how do you have that confidence in Christ? You can do something about that by participating in water baptism. Are you tracking? Here, here's, here's what it kind of, here's what you do. Number one, water baptism is when we publicly, everybody say publicly, stand for Christ. This isn't all it is, but it's a big part of it. He did it. Jesus was public about it. He didn't go in the back, you know, close the door, get in the bathtub, you know, sing a few songs, you know what I mean, rubber ducky with them, nothing. It was, he was in public. He did it out in the open in front of everybody. In fact, there were seasons and times when people got publicly baptized back then where they were ridiculed and they were insulted for a so, little Christianos going to go be Christ followers now, going to get baptized. They would, they would hurl insults at them. If you become a Christian in an Islamic part of the world, certain parts of the world that are Islamic in nature, and again, this is not in our country, but persecution is not even activated towards you until you get water baptized. In Pakistan, um, it's hard to win people to Christ. I have a friend who went there, spoke there, did some missions work there, and, 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 and it's against the law to be a Christ follower and follow anything other than Islam. It's against the law. And one person uh, in particular while he was there uh, was killed because he, when he was water baptized, he had already made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But until he went public, they, let, they left him alone. And as soon as he went public, they killed him. They murdered him. They took all his uh, money. They, they ravaged his home, burned his home to the ground. It was in a big deal. 
because as soon as you go public, they saw that him as a threat. In fact, they had a picture of, of how he was killed, and they wanted my friend to see it. He said, no thanks. I don't think I need to see that. And it was, I, I can tell you more about that if, you, if you're interested. But God, the contrast is God craves for us not to be ashamed of him. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. He, he was bold about his faith. He was obvious in the way, in the way he lived. And, and people today have made Christianity such a private thing. And it was never meant to be private. Personal, yes. Private, no. Never. The gospel would never be perpetuated. The scriptures are, as my father would say, replete with the notion that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. His messengers, his walking billboards. The scripture says he wants to make his appeal through us. The scripture says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, a personal relationship with God, we persuade men. Scripture is clear. It's supposed to be a public thing. But I'm telling you, our world, our culture has tried to get us to just box it up. Now granted, we're not supposed to go around and slap people over the head with this black book, you know? And, and, and I, I was raised in some of this extreme boldness. You know, my, my father used to say, I, if when I got on the elevator on the first floor, when I got to the top floor, it was just me and my Bible. You know, he'd get on, a, he'd get on the elevator, he'd have a Bible in his hand. By the time he got to the top floor, it was just me and my Bible. Because sometimes it would scare people. So there's, there's, I'm telling you, there's, there's a relational, a lifestyle evangelism. There's a way to share our faith, show it by our loving good deeds, to be able to be a person who cares more about the people than what we want to tell them. I mean, I'm not giving that up. I'm not, say, I'm not saying we get so bold that we're slapping people around. But listen, we're supposed to be a light on a hill, not a light under a bushel. Amen? And we've just gotten really private about it. Galatians 3 says, you are the sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized in Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's something on the outside that's different. This is what you are wearing and this is what you are, in other words. You have, you have a different look about you. Matthew 10 says this, whoever acknowledges me, remember this, this is important, hear my voice. Whoever acknowledges me, whoever acknowledges me. I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever, but whoever disowns me or is embarrassed of me or ashamed of me, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That is strong. Going public is huge to God. One time a guy told me he raised his hand uh, in church here to dedicate his life to Jesus Christ, and we give people an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And um, there was no altar call. He didn't come down front here or anything like that. And he had a friend in his life who had been witnessing to him, and this guy, that his friend, was inferring that if he didn't go down front, he was still going to go to hell. And it was interesting. So this guy says to his friend, you know, well, there wasn't really an option for that at Metro West Worship Center. And so his friend was kind of upset. So naturally, this guy comes to me and says, why didn't you let me, you know, what was the deal with that? You know, um, you don't really allow that to happen. And so I explained, hey, you know, 
uh, you need to thank God, thank God for friends like you have who, well-meaning, they, they really they care about your spiritual life and, and are concerned. And I, and, and I want to say to you, I know what it's like to, to respond to an altar call. I'm into that. I've been in crusades for, you know, Benny Hinn and, you know, all these, these, these huge tent meetings, you know, with some of the most prominent evangelists in the world. And, and we've had that here, too, and occasionally that still happens. But most of the time, if not all the time, you know, we allow that to happen right in your seats because it, it can be a matter between you and God. And, and, um, and it can, in fact, it can, happen, it can happen in your car. It can happen in your closet. It can happen in your basement, your bedroom. It can happen in a small group. Going public about your decision is not bad, but I want you to know that the Bible says absolutely nothing about walking down an aisle, going public with that decision anywhere in the Bible at all. In fact, there's no history of an altar call until the last 150 years. And uh, in fact, the first person introduced these kind of things to the ministry of the church was Charles Finney. And so I'm saying it's good. That's not my point. But now everyone thinks that it's, that's just the way it's supposed to be done. And the point is, and let me kind of get to it, is you can make a decision for Christ in the privacy of your own home. You can make a decision for Christ in your seat back there just between me, you, and God. And just raise your hand and you can put it down. But the best place to go public is through water baptism. That's a must. Can I have a bigger amen from somebody out there? The best place to go public is through water baptism. It's the first way, according to the Bible, not tradition or a good, just a good idea. It's the best way, according to the Bible, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. When I got married over 17 years ago, I was so glad that my wife showed up. I'm sitting down there. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. She came through the door. Yeah, baby. Come on, I was, I was so happy that she showed up. And that day, I put this ring on my finger. And, and, and how frustrating would it be if when I came you know, home, I put the ring on. And then when I left to go to work, I put, it, I put it off and I put it on the counter and I went off to work. How frustrating would it be if my commitment was on and off like that? You know? In other words, God wants us, you know, he wants us to love him. To, to, to love, to, to be proud of him wherever we are. He wants us to be proud of him when we're here at church, but also when we're at P.F. Chang's. Come on, everybody, P.F. Chang's. You feeling the anointing for that? That's a wonderful place. You don't know what P.F. Chang's is? <laughs> My God. Cheesecake Factory. Anybody out there? Cheesecake Factory. Okay. All right. So I felt the anointing. Leave the room for a second. got to bring it back. All right. I love that place. But if I, take, if I don't take that love that I have for God and I don't take it out into the other places that I love, and that's not standing out, that's not solid, that's not obvious, you know, um, it's, it's bad. It's bad. But if I take it off, am I still married? Yes, I'm still married. But I, but I've, I'm not, I'm, I haven't showed what, where my love is. I haven't showed what I'm committed to. The ring doesn't make it happen. It's not the deal. This ring is not the deal. That's not the whole deal. But it's an outward sign of an inward conviction. Are you tracking with me? It shows to whom I belong. It says to everybody else, he's off limits. You can't have him. Now, some of you may not care about that, but my wife's happy about that. <laughs> my wife's happy about that. She wants everyone to know, you know, you can't touch this. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't go there. All right? All right. Number two, water baptism reminds me of my life before Christ. Water baptism reminds me of my life before Christ. 
I was walking, driving through my old neighborhood recently because I was just going a different way home and I was sick of going the same old way home. And I was driving through my old neighborhood and it brought back crazy memories. You know? Have you ever w- drove through some areas when you were growing up or some places where you were kind of a different person? You know, and just poof, all these things come coming to your head, you know? But I just couldn't believe what I used to be like before Christ. There's a scripture in Colossians that talks about, you know, you used to be this way, and it lists all these things. Then it says, but now you're this way. The used to life and the but now life. Water baptism is supposed to be that line that goes, that's the used to, that's the but now life. It doesn't mean there isn't some sin and stuff, and anyone who tells you that after they get baptized, there's no more sin, after they got met Jesus, there's no more sin, run from those people. If they tell you that never happens anymore, just run from those people. But for the first 50 years of the early church of Antioch, they, when they got baptized, they would wear all white. They would come to baptism all wearing white, and they would also wear an old garment around this white clothing that they would have. And it was usually tattered and torn and stained and all beat up. And when they got baptized, they would go down into the river. And when they get under the water, they would take this old, tattered, torn garment off. And then they'd come up out of the water. And that old garment would just go down the river. And it was symbolic of the old person being just left behind. Just going down the river. Now, I pray for all those fish and people that are down the river, God help them, that run into all that. No, it wasn't their sins. It was symbolic of their old life, their old person, the old life being washed away. I kind of wish we did something like that. Maybe we will next time. But we must, more importantly, remember that the old life is gone when you're baptized. Romans 6 says this, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism. You're buried with him? No, it's, it's a symbol. You, when you go down into the water, it's like when Jesus went down into the grave, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, he was literally raised from the dead, and you're being literally raised out of the waters, a sign that we too may have a new life, just like Jesus had a new life. Are you making the connection? Say yes and amen. All right. I just want to make sure you're there. God is saying I could wrap all of this up, you know, all the motivation I could give you by just telling you this stuff. Now, why should we be baptized? Number one, go with me quick on this. Jesus was baptized himself. If Jesus did it, I should do it. I want, you guys, there's tons of excuses. There are people out there this morning, and I'm after you. I want to tell you that right now. There are people here this morning who have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. If I asked you, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that you were born a sinner and you needed payment for your sin and sin separates you from God and you needed a Savior? You needed a Savior. You can't be saved until you knew you needed a Savior and you believe you needed one. You'd say yes. Have you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? If you said yes... You're of Christ, you're, you've made a decision for Christ, but have you followed in water baptism? And you said, no, I haven't. And you've got a list of reasons why. I don't want to get wet. My hair's really kinky and curly when I get up out of the water. I've been really busy lately. I, my nails chip, whatever. I've heard the most ridiculous things. I want you to listen to this. Why should we be baptized? Jesus was baptized. 
Okay? He baptized other people. He told others to go and do the same. That should be enough right there. Paul says, I follow Christ, so you should follow me. That's the example. It's a cool one. It's the right one. Start the race just the way Jesus did. I don't sometimes get what all the debate is about, but whether, uh, other than the eternal security question, baptism somehow becomes a huge, huge thing. So here's some common questions. I'm going to answer them so fast you won't believe it. How do you do it? Number one, by submersion. Okay? Is it poured on, sprinkled, you know, stay under an hour or what? You just got to get under the water. Okay? I noticed one time my dad was baptizing some people down at Hopkinton State Park. There's this one gentleman who got out there, and he had a hairpiece. And uh, he went down, but the top of his head didn't quite go down, and that hairpiece went floop, just like this. And then he came back up again, and I thought, you know, is he, was he official? Was he really baptized? You know, did he, did he, did he, is he going to go to hell now because he wasn't dunked right? You know, come on. It's a public thing. That's the key. And the methods can have some elbow room to them, but we strive to submerge people. But let's not get totally te- technical. So submerge, yes. Legalism, no. Amen? What name do you use when you get baptized? What, and, and, and again, there's so much stuff about this. You can see in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do this real quick. Try to track with me. i got a whole CD on this if you want more information on this. But those are not names. Those are designations. Those are positions. The Father, you know, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What, what you can see from Scripture clearly is that he says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then later on, all his followers, when they baptized, from that point forward, they baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay, so just to get out of all the legalism and all the technicalities and all the issues about it, when we baptize, we recommend that you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through the precious name of Jesus. That's some good stuff right there. I think it's some really good teaching, Pastor. Awesome. Why have any more splinters and divisions and discussions about it and schisms about it? Just throw it all in there. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit through the precious name of Jesus. Amen. It's, so anyway, you guys probably don't even know. Some of you don't even know about this battle. Can I tell you, churches have split over that. Retarded. Just retarded. As if when people are down under, the person's going, I wonder, what, I wonder what he said when he comes up. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> Nobody's thinking that. <laughs> ah, it's just crazy. All right, number three, what about infant baptism? Now I'm going to be serious. Okay, what about infant baptism? We decided as a church leadership a long time ago we're going to follow the Bible. Some people want to know, you know, uh, you know well, is, is that, is that, does that count? You know, what do you, how do you feel about that? What's going on? And, and I just see it, infant baptism is kind of an add-on, okay? An add-on. It's not in Scripture, it's an add-on. I, I, we, we, every church has add-ons to some extent, but some we've decided not to have, okay? We have add-ons like air conditioning. Praise the Lord, there's air conditioning here this morning. That's a good add-on for the church, you know what I'm saying? But there's some add-ons we decided not to have, all right? So, anyway, uh, there's, you know, if you look, if you just study through the Bible, I looked, I looked at all through the Bible, all the stories related to infants being baptized, people preparing to baptize a baby, the mention of anything to have to do with water and babies. The, can I just tell you, this is how much I found about it. <laughs> Crickets, okay? It's just not in there. 
And I'm not saying that to be sarcastic. I'm just trying to make a point. We just decided to follow the Bible on it. We're not saying it's bad. It's of the, none of that. It's not evil. No, it's not. It's just we want people of their own free will, which God gave us. It's the most spiritual muscle we have is free will agency. Is when a, when a young person can choose to follow God and decide of his own or her own free will to go public and follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we believe to follow in the same way he did. Amen? Amen. So that's really it in a nutshell. Um, another question is this. Do I have to do it? Yeah. <laughs> I would say this. I would say this. Vicky's probably got a better answer, but I would say this. It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. I mean, Jesus went all out, all out, shed his blood, poured out his blood for us. You know, it's just hard to believe how, I mean, how much blood would have to be spilled for you to be willing to, to get wet. You know, so should I be baptized again? Perhaps, that's my answer. Perhaps you should be baptized again if you did it before accepting Christ. If you do not know what it means to be a Christ follower, to have made a decision, a, a profession of faith, a confession of faith, saying who, to whom you belong, if you haven't done that personally, then, then you should. You should make that decision and you should get water baptized again out of obedience to Christ. That's your decision. Technically speaking, you, you, you might have been baptized twice, but theologically speaking, you'd be baptized once. Amen? Is there anything holy about the water? Some people ask me that. The answer is no. When should I do it? As soon as possible. We have one nearly every month. We're going to have one today. Let me tell you this. We're going to do something different. If you come to Metro West Worship Center, there's certain things that may be predictable. There's some that are not. Here's what it is. We have several people today who are going to be baptized. Already signed up because we have them on a monthly basis. People have made a decision for Christ in a public service or in a small group or in the privacy of their home. Those people have decided to be water baptized. If you are here today and you're ready to be water baptized... You have not done it, you've made excuses, you've, or you just never did it. You just recently became a Christ follower, and I want to emphasize you need to know that you're a Christ follower. You can get baptized right now. You can get baptized right now. We have towels, shirts, shorts in the back. If you want to get baptized this morning, don't look at your wife, your kids, don't look at anybody. Look at your heart and say yes or no. If you have not been baptized and you want to, don't make any excuses. Get up and go to the back right now. Just get up and head, head right on out there. Who wants to be baptized? Anybody want to do it? Step up to the plate. All right, Robert, good job. Anybody else? Just head out to the back. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else want to get water baptized today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now here's what here, we need to take action once in a while, right? If you're thinking about it, you got that little tug in your heart. Go ahead and get it done. Go ahead and get it done. Your hair might get messed up. We don't have curlers. We don't have makeup or any stuff like that. We got the bare necessities, okay? We got the bare necessities this morning. So you can go out the side door if you don't want anybody to see you afterwards. Amen. Go ahead and get water baptized. Praise the Lord. Anybody else?